I'm going to go ahead and tell you my title because my title has absolutely nothing to do with our scripture reading. My title is Cornelius is Waiting. It's a strange place to go to Genesis with that title. But let's go to Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And Cain said unto the Lord, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Let's go before the Lord in prayer at this time. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We lift you up, God. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, for your strength right now. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to anoint me to preach this word, Lord. Lord, let it accomplish, Lord, that it sent it out to do, God. I ask you, Lord, to touch each and every heart and every soul here, Lord. Let them hear the challenge, Lord God. Lord, I give you the praise. I give you the glory this day, Lord God. In Jesus' name, Lord, I praise you, God. Jesus' name. Let's give a hand clap of praise to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to be seated. In our scripture text here, we have a the first set of siblings in all of creation. And circumstances have arose that these siblings, these two brothers, one of them has became angry at the other. You see what happened for this anger to come up is both brothers had brought offerings unto the Lord. Both brothers had sweated and toiled for their offerings that they was producing to bring unto God. But whenever they offered their offerings unto God, it tells us that God accepted the blood offering from Abel, but he had no respect for the fruit and the grain, the vegetables that Cain had offered unto God. And whenever this took place, Cain, Cain became very angry. Cain was no doubt thinking in his mind, have I not worked just as hard as Abel, my brother? I have worked the ground. I have perhaps carried water when it wasn't raining. I have pulled the weeds. I have worked by the sweat of my brow to grow these plants, these vegetables. And now I give them unto God, and he has no respect. But yet, he, he accepts the offering that my brother has brought unto him. And what makes it even worse is Cain was the older brother. Some of you... Here today, you may have an older sibling. I, myself, I am blessed to have an older brother. And over the course of the years, many times when I was younger, I did not think I was that blessed to have an older brother. We had our scrapes. We had our scuffles. Many times we would have our fights. And a lot of it was stemmed from the fact that he was the older. He, he was able to boss me around. And I had to listen to him. At least that's the way he thought and I thought otherwise, which is why we fought. But I'm very thankful that in our... Growing up and our scrambling up as you would, that we did not allow our bickering to escalate to the point where one of us wanted to slay the other person as Cain did with his brother. You see, whenever God confronted Cain, it could have been that Cain had the mindset when he was asked, where is your brother? He had the mindset that Abel was supposed to be a grown man. 
He was supposed to have been able to take care of himself. He should have been stronger than what he was. He should have been able to fight back and to escape me. It's not really my fault that, Cain, that Abel was dead now because he should have been able to take care of himself. So when God asked Cain, where is Abel? Abel replied, am I my brother's keeper? But God, he already knew where Abel was. The Bible tells us that the blood of Abel was crying out from the ground where it had been spilled. The reason why Abel's blood was crying out is because it was innocent blood. You see, Abel had done no wrong. Nothing he had said or done could have been justified to the point that Cain was justified to take his brother's life. And because of his innocence, this blood cried out for justice. This blood cried out, I am innocent here. An innocent man has died. If you will, we're going to take that thought and we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 1, it says, If one be found slain in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it, lying in the field, and it be not known whether who has slain him, we have a murder that has taken place, and no one was there to see it. No one knows what happened. It tells us, it goes on, it says, Then the elders and the judges shall come forth, and they shall measure unto the cities which are round about unto him that is slain. And it shall be that the city which is next to the slain man, the one that is closest to the one who has been slain, the elders of that city shall take a heifer which had not been wrought with, which has not been drawn in the yoke, and the elders of that city shall bring down the heifer into the rough valley, which is neither ear nor sown, and they shall strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley. And the priests and the sons of Levi shall come near, for them the Lord God has, given to, has chosen to minister unto him and to bless the name of the Lord. And by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. And it tells us that all of the elders of that city that are closest to the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer that is beheaded in the valley. And then they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes, our eyes seen it. Be merciful, O God, unto thy people Israel, whom thou hast redeemed, and lay not innocent blood unto thy people Israel's charge, and the blood shall be forgiven them. And they shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from amongst them, when thou shalt do what is right in the sight of the Lord." A scenario is given here in Deuteronomy chapter 21. It, it talks about when this happened. It, it hasn't happened at the moment. It's, it's telling them what they should do when it happens. A murder has been transpired. An innocent man is lying dead on the ground. There was no one there to witness this terrible tragedy. There is no one that you can point a finger of blame at and say that was the man who killed this individual. There, there's no one there to, to cry out for that person. But the people are not allowed to just walk away. They're not allowed just to say, well, there is a, a murder has taken place. Let's just bury the body and go about our merry way. No, they, they can't just walk away. If they do that, the innocent blood will cry out unto God. And the land would be defiled because no one was able to offer sacrifice for that innocent blood. And so it is determined here in the Scripture that they are to measure to see which city is the closest. 
And that city, the closest city, must offer a sacrifice to atone for the innocent blood. Today, in our world, there is an enemy roaming this world. He is looking in the highways, the byways, our streets, our neighborhoods, wherever he can find. He's looking for souls to kill, to steal, and to destroy. It is the church's job to offer souls a place of refuge, a place of hope and salvation. It is our job to tell them that the road you are on is not a good road. It's not a right road. You need to get off of that road. You need to follow the road after Jesus Christ. And whenever a soul is murdered by Satan, when they are destroyed, will that soul be able to stand in judgment before the throne of God and proclaim their innocence and say, there was no one to see me when I was hurting, when I was broken, when I was lost. There was no one to hear me when I called out for help. There was no one there who extended their hands unto me. I am innocent. And if that takes place, will there then be a measure taken and determine that this church needs to put away the guilt of innocent blood? Well, we done got quiet tonight. You know, if they do that, if we, as a church of God, the church of God, Are we guilty of not hearing those that cry out for help? Are we guilty of walking by those who are lying on the side of the road of life, dying because no one was there to hear them when they cried out for help? Now I want us to move on over to the New Testament. Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. Tells us that, Acts chapter 10, verse 9, that on the morrow as they went on their journey, they drew nigh into the city, and Peter went up on the house to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry, and he would have eaten while they made ready, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And Peter, he saw the heaven open, and a certain vessel descended unto him, as if it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. And wherein on this sheet were all manner of four-feeded beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice unto Peter that said, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time and said, What God hath cleansed, that call thou not common. And it tells us that this was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again unto the heaven. In this scripture setting here, we find Peter having a vision, a, a revelation 
concerning something that is about to take place in his life, in the spiritual realm. Something is going to happen, and he is being prepared for this. You see, when those, Peter, when those, when those animals are presented unto Peter, and the command was given for Peter, take and eat. Peter, he doesn't want to eat of what was presented unto him. The reasons for him not to eat it was because the cultural norms, the traditions of the day, would not allow him to eat animals that were considered clean, unclean, or, or common. But God goes on and he tells Peter, he said, Peter, that that I have cleaned, that is never to be considered common. Because if I have cleaned it, I have done a work in that, in that object, in that, in that animal, and it is ready to be consumed, it is ready to be taken. What Peter did not know at this very moment, that an individual whom he never would have been associated with, an individual whom he never would have went out of his way to speak to, someone he would never have sat down at a table and had a meal with, is coming his direction. Someone is wanting to meet God. Cornelius is waiting. Cornelius is waiting. Acts chapter 10, verses 30 through 34. Peter, he had heard the voice of God. He, he, he understood that when he heard that voice that said, Peter, rise, kill and eat, he knew that is the voice of my God. That is the voice of my Savior. And so Peter knew that he needed to obey that voice and follow after these men whom Cornelius had sent unto Peter. And whenever he arrived at the home of Cornelius, it tells us in verse 30, Acts chapter 10, that Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting unto this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, thy alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore... To Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who, when he comes, when he comes to you, he will speak unto you. And it tells us that immediately, this is Cornelius speaking, immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast done well that thou art come. Now therefore, we, his entire household, we are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. We have asked for a revelation. We want to know what we should do to live a life acceptable unto God. And he told us to send for you, Peter. And Peter, now you are here. And it goes on and it tells us, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. You see, when those animals was first presented unto Peter, Peter did not want to eat them because it was against his culture, it was against his normal circumstances. He would have never eaten of some of those animals, but yet he never would have associated himself with Cordelius either. But because God prompted him and said, you need to go speak to this man because, Peter, you have the keys to the kingdom. You have the words of life within you that you need to share to these people. Many times, as Christians, we may find ourselves wanting to resist what God asks us to do 
because of traditions. Perhaps we don't want to break the social norms of the day. We don't want our, our peers to look at us and say, what was you doing talking to that individual? What was you doing extending an arm of love and friendship to that individual? Don't you know that we don't behave that way? But Cornelius is waiting. And because Peter received this revelation, because he understood that he is to go, he is supposed to reach out because what God has cleaned, that you cannot call common or unclean because God had cleaned it. Because Peter decided, I'm going to go to Cornelius. Because he submitted to the will of God, revival broke out in that family. Revival came to the Gentile race. Because Peter went, you and I can sit in a church pew right now and feel the presence of God and enjoy the power of the Holy Ghost. Because Peter broke out of the cultural norms. Peter said, I will not let tradition hold me back. I hear Cornelius calling. He is waiting for me. And I will go to Cornelius and tell him about my Jesus. All because one man did what God asked him to do. So I have a question to the church today. What about you? Are you going to be your brother's keeper? Are you going to strengthen and encourage to help build and establish a fellow brother and sister in your church community? Are you going to be like Cain and say, am I my brother's keeper? Whenever you see your brothers and your sisters in the Lord stumble, fall. We cannot find that as the opportunity to go on the other side of the road to get away from like, oh, I don't want to be associated with that. We need to go to them and say, God is able to forgive. God brought you from a point lower than that before. He can do it this time. And you can strengthen your brother or sister. When someone from your community, your neighbor, someone you see on a regular basis, whenever they slip into eternity, are they going to be able to stand before the throne of judgment? And God speaks to them and says, why did you not serve me? Are they going to say, no one, no one told me about the love of God. No one extended arms of compassion unto me. Is this church going to have to offer sacrifice because you did not reach those who was around you? When God tells us to witness to Cornelius, we cannot make excuses of why we shouldn't. We cannot come up with reasons why we don't need to do that. Because God is no respecter of persons. If you will, stand across this building. I need our musicians can come at this time. I just want to tell this church today that Cornelius is waiting. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. Today, you may be here in the house tonight. And you may be the Cornelius in the room. Perhaps you were here. 
And you want more of God. You want more than what this life has offered you in times past. You want more of a depth of a relationship. Have you tried Jesus? Jesus is the sweetest name we know. Jesus is the one that is closer than a brother. Jesus, as was said earlier, he is the prince of peace. You can go through the storms of life. You can wonder, who can I turn to? Turn to Jesus. He is our everlasting Father. In order to, if you was to read on about Cornelius, after they had asked, what shall we do? You'll find that Peter told him, repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name. They started speaking in tongues while Peter was still speaking to them because the Holy Ghost is seeing the hunger. Jesus Christ is just like that uh, prodigal son whenever he started making his way back to the Father's house. He wasn't even at the door yet. The Father ran to him and put his arms around him and hugged him, loved him, and brought him on home. Whenever Cornelius and them heard about Jesus. And they said, this is what we've been looking for. This is what we've been needing. The Scripture tells us they were filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And Peter knew it because they started speaking with tongues. He said, can any man forbid water that they be baptized? Because they have received the Holy Ghost just like we have. We thought we was the elite because we are the Hebrews. We're the Israelites. But God has extended mercy to the Gentiles as well. They are our family now. Today, you can be in the family of Jesus. If you repent of your sins, say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. You can leave this house changed tonight. And I want to, before I close this out and allow the praise singers to take off, I want to challenge this church to think Cornelius is waiting he's waiting on you I'm going to open these altars if you will find a place to pray let us worship God if you need the Holy Ghost come receive it in Jesus name